man once said, oh no, when are Ipswich Town ever going to beat them? 14 years unbeaten, 13 derbies, the run continues. A 2-2 draw at Portman Road this afternoon. Uh, I, I, want to, I want to laugh because it's, it's, it's been a really interesting build-up to this derby. There's been uh, a lot of people of an Ipswich persuasion, not all of them, but some of them who maybe felt it was a, a foregone conclusion. There's probably some on the yellow and green side who felt it was uh, somewhat of a foregone conclusion. But as uh, derby games often uh, throw form out of the window, at least that's what they say, and Norwich have emerged with a point and that unbeaten run intact. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, sponsored by Coleman's of Norwich. Uh, I'm Kai Southall, joined by Samuel Seaman, Paddy Dowett and Adam Harvey to reflect on uh, an afternoon, an interesting afternoon in Suffolk at Portman Road. Paddy Dowett, the run goes on. 13 and counting, yeah. Approaching, very closely approaching the return our car road next April will be 15 years. It will take a week or two. Um, and yeah, I mean, I wrote about it at the final whistle. The, the the difference in mood, both with the sets of players and the fan base. Yes, I know it's two two and it's a point apiece and honours even, but very clearly, who felt that was a good result and who didn't. And, um, and for the reasons you stated there, Connor, I, I, I I'm pretty sure if you'd offered most Norwich fans two two before a ball was kicked, they'd have, they'd have taken it, no doubt about it, um, because it does keep those runs going now and. Um, and as you rightly say, it was very amusing after we got caught up in the, the blue action and uh, inhaling blue smoke and what have you, flares before the game, that uh, all of that ended in a rather forlorn lap of appreciation from their home players uh, as the home stadium emptied pretty rapidly. And all you could hear at that point was those 2,000 or so Norwich fans saluting those players and coaching staff. And um, yeah, it's another one to add to the the memorable East Anglian derbies from a Norwich perspective in the last 14, 15 years, although Kieran McKenna didn't agree, but we'll get into that in due course. <laughs> uh, one unsavoury scene, which again we'll get into in terms of that, that you know, uh, stage managed team bus arrival scenario, but uh, all in all a good day for anybody of a Norwich persuasion, yeah. John Rowe was five years old the last time uh, Ipswich Town beat Norwich. The iPad hadn't been uh, invented. Instagram didn't exist. It's uh, quite a remarkable run. And that, why, that Sam, is, has been the, the source of great pride for Norwich City fans over a prolonged period. It's not been, and no one would ever pretend, that it's been a wonderful season for the Canaries. 21 points, everyone can see the difference. But in a, in a way, in a maybe sort of twisted sense, the fact that Ipswich Town have been as good as they have at home this season, they've, um, prior to, to, to this game today, won nine of their, their ten home games. Daniel Farker, of course, the, the, the manager inflicting that defeat on them. And they still can't beat an Irish side, which has been, as we've said on various podcasts, not particularly great for a sustained period of this season. Yeah, they feel even more invincible after that result, don't they? I think the one of the lines that's been giving me a little bit of hope going into this game was just that Norwich just don't lose to Ipswich. And it felt like that was really the time for, for that to come to an end. There was certainly a feeling um, from, from Ipswich fans and players and and you know, staff and everything, everyone associated with that club clearly felt that this was an absolutely huge opportunity. And as much as coaches like to play down history, Wagner did that in his own press conference, that would have been on, on everyone's mind. And um, to manage to secure that result was all they really needed to do to to give those fans an incredible 
moment and um although the context around that is is quite sad that Norwich have found themselves celebrating a point um at Portman Road when you know as as Kieran McKenna highlighted um post match they were in the Premier League 18 months ago when Ipswich were were in League 1 just within the context of how the team is doing on the pitch uh, I'm delighted for those fans because after all they don't have any any control over the the sayings or, or, or any any control over the decisions made in in the football department, any control over what happens on the pitch. The only thing they can do is respond to what's given to them and the situation they find themselves in is supporting a team that were massive underdogs going into this game and that were really, really pleased if they were able to come away with a point. So those fans went to the game knowing it would have been a, a really tough ask to go and do that and to be fair to them, got right behind their team from minute one. There was no consideration whatsoever of the long-term position or what grievances they might have um, with the football club at large despite the fact that a, a minority of people had even said to me when I'd spoken to them about the game that it might be the best result for Norwich in the long term for them to go and lose it there wasn't um, an ounce of a suggestion that those fans weren't going to support their team from minute one and even when they went behind they provided a little bit of ammunition to to go and get the equaliser as quick as Jonathan Rowe did um, towards the the end of that first half. So although we'll come on to, obviously, the footballing elements of the game, we'll, we'll analyse it and things, my first emotion from that, to be honest, was uh, a little bit of jealousy from those in the sort of away fans. And it was one of those where, you know, I don't know if, if you and Adam felt the same way, but as as a journalist, probably for the first time since since I started, given... Of, well, when I started, they were already relegated um, a year and a half ago, and it was the first time since then that I've actually thought it would have been nice to sort of to to be a fan for that one. Um, to be honest, so I am actually really pleased for them because it's been a barren old period um, for Norwich City supporters, and and that's a moment that I think their their support has deserved. So we'll see where things go from there. We'll see what it means, and we'll obviously break that down. But just in the here and now, I think it's worth highlighting. Um, how pleasing it is to to see them in that position because that is a, a big moment when you take in the context. Yeah, and, and like you said, there hasn't been much relative to to cheer um, this season really in terms of performances or encouraging signs. And if you if you can't cheer the fact that you've um, retained a, a long unbeaten run in the East Anglian Derby, if that was snatched away from them as well, goodness me, it would have uh, would have marked I, I guess what this what this campaign has been. Adam, it was. Um, I found myself sitting there, probably feeling quite amused for for a lot for a lot of the game, um, but in in a, in a good sense, in that I had this really bad vision. I kind of told told you lads about it, building up to this game and, and travelling to this game as well of Ipswich scoring early and the floodgates opening. I think it's fair to say Norwich were a lot more competitive than than everybody who was going into this fixture pro- probably imagined. Is is that fair? Yeah, I sort of felt from this, sort of build up to the game and. You can see it from you know outside. We had to walk through it. Uh, sort of the emphasis and the expectation almost amongst the home fans that they were gonna get the win today. Um, the noise before the game was quite deafening, to be honest. That's the loudest I've ever heard Portman Road, and I've been to quite a few derbies down the years because you could feel it almost what you get at Carrow Road in kind of previous years where. You're the team expected to win. Um, Norwich usually deliver on that. Of course, Ipswich have failed to do so today. Um, 
and yeah, you sort of felt from, from minute one, you know, Ipswich had a lot of possession, but they weren't really creating anything. Uh, and I felt Norwich were frustrating it, you know, the, the home crowd a little bit. And then they get the lead and you think, oh, OK, here we go. Like, this could be this could be a killer blow. And as soon as they got the equaliser, it just kind of, I don't know, almost like you could hear a pin drop inside Portman Road. Uh, it kind of completely silenced the home fans. And then particularly the way they then started the second half to go go ahead. And I mean, like, we had quite a rowdy bunch of Ipswich fans where the press box is, you know, sort of in relation to and, they kind of really start to turn on Ipswich. You know, you'd almost sort of think that Ipswich was sort of at the bottom of the league, and they were sort of losing every week. The way they were, sort of almost against their team at points. And I thought, you know, Norwich have, have really done well here to to really ride that initial sort of crowd expectation and almost turn it completely and flip it the other way. Uh, of course, unfortunately, couldn't hold on to the lead. But yeah, I think from a Norwich City fan perspective, um, yeah, that that's the. The way they controlled the, the first 15, 20, 30 minutes of the game, I thought was absolutely spot on. And for me, that probably played into the result in the end because, you know, as you alluded to, I think if they'd have conceded one early on, that probably could have been almost similar levels to what the dominance at Norwich have had down the years because their players would have then been right riled up for it. And I think Norwich, you know, given the way that we've seen it this season when they've gone behind at points, they really tend to to find it hard to come back. So, uh, yeah, big moment, big, uh, you know, in, in a big game. and. Yeah, I thought actually as well, you know, note for the Norwich fans, I thought they stuck with their team right right through it. Even when they were 1-0 down, you could still hear them really fully behind the team. And of course, that's a, a huge motivator for, for all the Norwich players out on the pitch today. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, as, as we, we, we've, we've done this podcast in recent weeks and spoke about um, kind of criticism that the fans have had to take from, from certain people and maybe the, the division that's existed within the club. I think actually if you'd have seen the away end and the players and the staff on the pitch at the end for once and maybe for the first time in a long time, that felt like a real sense of togetherness and that is, um, that's what a Derby Day result can do. Um, and you know the fact it was away from home against uh, a formidable Ipswich side at home who have scored goals at will and um, taken points at will this season, um, you know, it's, it's the, the second best uh, championship start behind Leicester City. So so those two have been phenomenal. The fact that Norwich City have, have been able to go there and uh, and take two points off the, or a point and, and, and mean that they dropped two points is um is is impressive. Someone who doesn't share that for you, uh Kieran McKenna. It was uh it's, it's interesting because he's always struck me as quite a cool, calm, calculated figure. Um some interesting quotes, which I'll, I'll read a selection of from, from the post-match uh, interview that, that he did, or uh, the press conference that he did. Um, I, I won't do a Northern Irish accent. I thought about it, but I won't do it. Uh, I, thought, I thought we were the best team by a considerable margin. Uh, we'd have loved to give our fans the victory. Uh, they, Norwich, scored from two aimless balls into our box. <laughs> Uh, and then the uh, the killer last quote, Norwich were operating in the Premier League 18 months ago, um, but at the end, their fans were celebrating a draw. That tells you how far we've come. I hope he gets some uh, some chips to go with his salt this evening, Did Paddy Davitt. Yeah, it was a very strange um, attack, uh, but probably hints at the frustration because... You know, as we said, as we felt, as we saw before the game, this had been built up to their D-Day, really, wasn't it? This was the day that the pain ended and they set the record straight and just reaffirmed that it's two clubs moving in opposite directions, 21 points on the pitch prior to a ball being kicked. And it that wasn't the script that, that ended up being the case. And um, sadly for the blue side, more of the same. You know, draw, not a defeat, but it feels like a defeat, I'm sure. Um, and maybe there, maybe there was a, a sense of that in his comments. Uh, 
I don't really take issue with the you know considerably the better team. Yes, they had more possession. Yes, they dominated the territory as you would have expected the style of play that they that, that, that they impose on teams who come to Portman Road. But you know, look at the shots on target. They had five. Norwich had three. So that's not considerably better where it matters for me. Um, I can't remember. Angus Gunn, which I felt before the game he'd have to, having an absolute worldie. I mean, there was, was one at the end, wasn't there, from Gorehead, which that, a cracking save. But that's the only one I can yeah. recall. Um, we didn't have a lot of chance with either of the two goals, very good finishes. But uh, but that tells me again that were they considerably better? Well, if Norwich's keeper hasn't had to, uh, you know, pull out a showreel of fine stops, then no is the answer. So I think that's the first time I've come across him in the flesh. So we'll, we'll probably just chalk that one off to a bit of frustration but I, I don't think it did him any favours particularly I mean if he if he's questioning why did Norwich come and show them the respect of kind of almost knowing they'd be the aggressors and trying to nullify them and stop them and, and maybe probe on the counter then take it as a mark of respect ra- rather than you know some sort of slight um, because it's a testament to what Ipswich have done this season what he has engineered over the last two seasons that teams will turn up at Portman Road particularly now and do that and try and stop and try and nullify Ipswich because they know how good they are at home which again just underlines what an excellent result that was from the Norwich perspective today so yeah yeah it'll be interesting now I mean they've got uh, not that we want to go down an Ipswich tangent but I think that coming up now over the festive period they've got Leeds they've got Leicester, Leicester. so you know, if that's a hint of maybe the maybe pressure as much as frustration is just starting to seep in a little bit, then let's see where they are beyond these next two games because you know it's only going to get harder and tougher from here um, for Ipswich if they're going to seal this deal and build on what is an unbelievable start and get the job done and get themselves to the Premier League. So yeah, I'll certainly be an interested observer in how McKenna handles himself as much as what he does with his team. There's no disputing he's a, clearly a very highly rated and an up and coming manager. You know, we spoke to a, a guy who. Is part of Ipswich's uh, comms, media and comms team, uh, used to work with us and uh, he basically used one word to describe McKenna, again, a genius. Um, he said, you look down that Ipswich team sheet, none of those are particularly outstanding players. Um, you know, even uncharitably mentioned one or two are League Two players, but McKenna has instilled in them this belief individually and collectively that they can duel it out with a, a Leicester, with a Southampton, with a Leeds. Um, so he's a tremendous coach clearly and he's probably destined for bigger and better things in Ipswich no disrespect but uh yeah I don't I don't think I don't think that really became him to come in and, and um almost sneeringly to dismiss Norwich and Norwich's efforts today it didn't really do many favours in my view no I, I, I would I would agree but and I think you're right it points to this sort of deeper sense of frustration that I think you you get from the Ipswich side of things which is understandable it's been a long time as as we've documented since they they last won this game but but everything around this fixture meant that it should have been the day that they beat Norwich the the form um everything about their progress in the last two years and 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 everything that they've done since Kieran McKenna's taken over and 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 their takeover of course from from the American owners um and and you got that sense walking around Portman Road with you know, uh, the flares greeting the coach and all of that. I'm about to be attacked. For anybody who's watching this, I'm just hearing this noise. It's like uh, tape unpicking from this board, which will mean nothing if you're listening to this on audio, but please have a look on YouTube. Uh, We've got an inflatable canary Captain with... He's uh, uh, festive. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I was noting, actually, he looked like... He, when we walked in tonight, he, he was noticeably perkier and oh, more upright. Was, but, I, uh, I took it and... And I thought I'd adjust it based on the mood. 
Yes. So I get it a bit more excited. But, but if it lands on my head halfway through the broadcast, then uh, yeah, we know why. Yeah, what was the point I was making? Uh, yeah, so it was. It, it was um, everything around this game pointed it to, uh, to it uh, being um, Ipswich's time, their time to beat Norwich, their time to prove, as as you said, Paddy, that the clubs were going in opposite directions, and the fact they haven't. Um, I'm sure. In fact, I can, you you can take stock of social media and sense the uh, oh well you know we weren't that fussed anyway it's like well you know you <laughs> you, clo- you closed a few roads and were waving flares around and yeah I, I don't get the sense that, that that wasn't the case but it probably goes to show the success that, that Norwich frustrated them today Sam I mean as a performance I, I don't think it was um, particularly pretty they weren't that great in possession they struggled at points to get um, the the, the ball up the pitch and get themselves up the pitch. They didn't really get, ironically, they didn't really get John Rowe and Saints into the game right. um, in, in, on huge occasions. Obviously, they, they got Rowe in the game twice and, and brilliant stuff, and we'll, we'll speak about him shortly. But it does just, uh, and I guess this is, this is probably why there's a lot of smiles and a lot of goading from the Norwich City side, because, as we said, as good as they've been, they still haven't been able to beat Norwich City. For all of their progress, it's the one box that... Uh, and obviously they'll get a chance later on in the season, but it's the one box at the moment that remains unticked. Yeah, I think there's a, a maybe a 50-50 divide between that attitude that you suggested of, oh, well, we weren't that bothered anyway, and <laughs> are you lot celebrating a, a two-all draw and sort of taking McKenna's point um, in that sense. So, yeah, it's quite interesting to see how how the Ipswich side have maybe, have maybe coped with this result. Um as you say, they obviously will have a chance in, in April and that's the beauty of the season. I think Wagner said uh, Wagner said going into it, it's a good thing that you have two every season. And I don't know if that was him trying to decrease the pressure on his team going into this one, but I think if he could uh, have a season now where maybe they get to avoid that Carrow Road fixture and the, the record goes on maybe indefinitely, um, I think maybe he would have taken that and probably a lot of... A lot of uh, Norwich fans, especially the sort of glass half empty ones, might have taken that. But yeah, as you say, it's the the box that's unticked. And I I wrote a column going into the game that this is the one thing that's really keeping the club and its fans tethered to the sort of glory years of of recent times. Of course, they've got a couple of players. Um, well, it's, it's pretty much literally a couple of players now, isn't it? Kenny McLean, Grant Hanley. Um, Onel Hernandez. Yeah. Onel Hernandez, yeah. Obviously, Angus Gunn has played in the derby before, but was only there on loan in a season where Norwich finished 14th. So they've not got too many players who are associated with the good times. Um, they've not really got any semblance in the way that they play of those sorts of sides that Norwich fans have been, you know, so excited by and, uh, and galvanised by. So this this record really was the only sign of how how good things have been in the recent history of, of Norwich City. In fact, if you look at what that 14-year that time period stretches over, it's that's that's the time when it really turned, isn't it? That's when Norwich went from being a, a mid-table, semi-relevant championship side. That was when they then started kicking on and became champions of League One and went up from there really and established themselves as a team that a lot of supporters up and down the country saw as, you know, at least a yo-yo team, if not a Premier League team at times uh, over that period. And there's nothing really, not not even the badge is the same as it was um, 
back then. So this run, I, I felt going into it was the only thing Norwich fans had to, to point to to associate themselves and the club with those those glorious times. And you felt maybe they, that was going to be completely severed if they, they lost to Ipswich today. So in a sense, I think that made it quite a lot bigger. It probably was also the marker Ipswich was, were hoping to to um, to use to show that they've maybe advanced in the narrative between the two clubs. I think Wes Burns actually referenced it post-match, um, even though he did talk about the disappointment at not ending that record. I think he tried to turn it a little bit and say, oh, well, you know, the narrative has, has changed and this is a club that's that's maybe doing slightly better than their rivals, but make no doubt about it. Everybody associated with that football club wanted a clear, tangible sign that Ipswich have now moved above Norwich. And although you can look at the table, and we have heard that 21 points um, stat quite a few times since the full-time whistle went, um, you, you can't point to an Ipswich victory over Norwich in that time. And maybe maybe they do even go up and, and that Carrow Road meeting is their only, uh, their only chance. And we were actually speaking... Afterwards, that might even be funnier if Ipswich managed to get themselves out of the division and maybe avoid a match with Norwich for a while without beating them. So that would definitely be an interesting thread to follow. I don't want to immediately turn attentions to April because I think we could all do without that anxiety for a little bit. Um, but I think it will be an interesting um, story to follow now that there's not this sort of D-Day. You, you know, We talked about it in an Ipswich sense, but that was also true about Norwich in a negative way. There were a lot of people, everyone I've spoken to for sort of the last two months, especially when talking about Wagner's future, has been saying they don't think he's going to be able to get a result out of the derby, and that's why they think he should go. So this has been looming large on the horizon in, in quite a scary sense for fans and for the club. So to get that out of the way, to navigate it without defeat I think will be as much as it was pleasing to see it's probably more a sense of relief and in the long term I think that relief will will probably come to define that moment um, mainly rather than the joy that probably fans are, are feeling at the moment so I think it gives a lot of people a lot more um, room to work with but yes it's, it's not job done is it so we'll, we'll see about that but for now Ipswich fans haven't had their their golden moment, and that's it's probably worth also mentioning that even if they do do it in April, they had the chance to do it in front of twenty six, twenty seven thousand of their own fans today, and they won't get that chance um, in April. So it could be a long while again until the Portman Road crowd actually see their side um, beat Norwich. So it was a massive missed opportunity for them, but you know the uh, the worse that is for them, the more I'm sure Norwich fans will revel in it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure their Carrow Road record is uh, is even worse. I think you have to go back to February 2006 for the last time they they won at Carrow Road. If uh, what I'm looking at is uh, is is right, and I think it is, and um, which you know maybe maybe documents the point around opportunity that that they will feel they they have missed. Um, let's let's uh, talk a, a little bit about um, what happened before the game because there, there were some. Uh, stuff, uh, unsavoury stuff, as there always were with with, with derbies, and uh, obviously, I'm sure people will, will have seen by now. Um, Delia Smith and uh, Michael Wynne Jones, Norwich City's um, joint majority shareholders, um, made their way into into Portman Road. I don't know how it ended up the way it did, but I think they they seem to follow the Ipswich coach in, and um, were were met with idiots who decided that they were going to throw things at their car and. Um, 
just act in a in a really silly, needless way and and, and cross that line between um, rivalry and stupidity. I, I, I guess, and um, it's it's a it's a real shame, Adam, because what what we saw on the pitch was a really good entertaining game of football for goals uh, you know I'm sure neutrals watching that as um, painstaking as it was for everyone with, with an attachment to either side I'm sure as a neutral it was it was a really good watch and stuff like that and, and again we would be condoning it if it was Norwich fans and I'm sure um, you know, don't know at this point kind of arrest figures and all of that kind of stuff but uh, that's not to say Norwich fans have, have been perfect I'm sure they haven't but um, it's just really unnecessary and, and and pretty sad to see really for for two people who are in their 80s yeah I mean you know you can show passion you can wear your heart on your sleeve as a football fan and obviously that's what derbies are there for they're there to you know sort of make the you know sort of the mask put your, your mast in in the sand and say that this is the team I support and back your team from from minute one to minute 90 but before and after the game you know it's a lot of it is just completely needless stuff and I think as I've seen it pointed out on social media you know it's two eight-year-olds you know Norwich City owners going to a game just 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 leave it be you know let them let them go to the stadium um you've already had all the you know atmosphere blue action stuff before the game with your own team coach you know back your own team don't worry about you know two Norwich City owners who are you know, are not young. Let's be let's be real. So, um, just needless stuff, and it it really does kind of leave a bit of a sour taste uh, in the mouth for, I suppose you know the, the other supporters of that team that have had to then look on social media after the game, and you, you sometimes see it where it's almost like they all get grouped into one bubble when they're really not. It's just a couple of individuals who have had a really you know stupid moment or whatever it might be. Or, you know, they've just decided to take it to the next level and. Hopefully they'll get punished in in the correct way, um, and I think David Wagner actually summed it up perfectly in, in his post match, saying, you know, it's there is a few idiots in the world, and hopefully they you know have to suffer the consequences of their actions uh, in the future, and then if they don't you know don't get the opportunity maybe to return to the Cairo game where they might you know their team might might put in a performance and actually finally get a victory over Norwich, so they might have even lost that opportunity. So it's uh, it's just really sort of from their side a, a really poor poor sort of showing um it doesn't do them any favors but you know as you've alluded to you know we're not obviously aware of any issues with Norwich fans today but there might have been but um on the whole you know I think before before and after a game just just behave yourself enjoy the 90 minutes on the pitch and then let the best team win and of course today it was neither team it was a you know a draw which probably felt more like a win from the Norwich City perspective yeah and as as you alluded to earlier I mean uh I think Sam you you maybe a bit later because you were speaking to Norwich fans but I mean we were caught in, in the middle really of, of that kind of um, activity with the, with the coaches and irrespective of, of what you thought of it and, and maybe to, to quote ex-Ipswich uh, manager Mick McCarthy that went well um, most of the people there were well-mannered and well-intentioned and, 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 and that would have been 99% of those Ipswich fans who, who were greeting their, their team coach. I think Norwich's coach took a, a slightly different route. Uh, Three-minute drive, David Wagner said, so I don't know where they were coming from. I presume a hotel, but um, he, he was he was pretty strong on it, wasn't he, Paddy? I mean, and, and again, it's just, it's it's a shame because I'm sure nationally now, and in fact, I know nationally because we've, we've seen a few stories on it, it feels like something that, that may well become kind of the story out of this out of this derby from a non-footballing perspective which is a a real shame considering as as we mentioned the the atmosphere inside Portman Road was was really good to start with from from both sets of uh, fans and kind of peaked and troughed as as games do but um it, it's maybe a shame that we're having to discuss it on the podcast and I'm sure other people will be discussing it elsewhere 
Yeah, I mean, so nothing really more to add to what's already been said. I mean, it's a societal issue, really, but it's it manifested itself in a, in a football match today. You go on social media, you see people who will have a healthy debate and a dialogue and constructive from both sides. In this case, two football teams, rival football teams, but then there's always people who will take it too far on social media. And, and I saw a few inappropriate comments from Norwich fans, if I'm honest, on, on social media towards just Sir Alf Ramsey, which is totally unacceptable as well. Um, so... You know, stupidity doesn't wear club colours ultimately, and unfortunately, it's not a great look for Nor uh, for Ipswich. Sorry, and and actually, I've not checked since we we got back and started recording whether they've officially put anything out. You know, to condemn that behaviour, I'm sure they will do because you know, like Ipswich, like Norwich, that they are a community rooted club, and um, and uh, that very much is what they're about. You you've got that sense in and around the, the stadium that. that you know the the fan base have reconnected with their football club, and and all sorts of different dem demographics were present, um, and that really is is it seems what's pr propelling that football club forward, along with astute people in in certain positions, i.e. McKenna, but um, and maybe above him as well. But uh, to be besmirched by you know the actions of as David Wagner said, idiots, you know, and a handful of idiots as well. But I mean, you you know, we walked through that. And there were thousands there, and you know, even within that, you could see there was sort of groups of individuals who um, probably did want to take it a bit further than just um, welcoming their team and um, and maybe giving anybody in a Norwich sort of scenario in that pre-match mix uh, a very volatile welcome. So yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Whether the police, I'm sure, will have to get involved. Whether Ipswich themselves will have to get involved. Um, and identify the, the people, in, which is going to be difficult if it was just in a throng of thousands. Um, we wasn't actually physically there to witness that. It's a, we've obviously only seen the report subsequently, but um, you know, there's pictures. I think Press Association have pictures of a beer can resting on the roof. Uh, sorry, on the bonnet of um, of their their car. So the pictures of Delia look clearly shaken when she emerged from from her vehicle. Um, David Wagner, just before he came in to speak to us post match, said he'd. I think the configuration of where the media room is to the directors, it's almost along the same corridor in that main stand and he had actually been stopped on his way to the media and spoken to Delia and spoken to Michael and said they were fine. But, um, but you know, uh, rivalry, friendly rivalry, fair enough, on the pitch, in the stands, but um, that's crossed the line and that's, that's an acceptable behaviour and it does nobody any favours and... Uh, Sadly, that's why we've had to spend the last five, ten minutes of this talking about something which should be an, an irrelevance. You, you know, you shouldn't go to a football game and feel the need to throw a beer can at a car. I mean, what is all about? It's mindless. It's mindless behaviour. But unfortunately, there'll be one or two who, who clearly got carried away by you know what was a very well-intentioned reception that, that, that they did before, didn't they? Towards the end of last season, I think for the Exeter game, and, and they won six nil. Was it so? You know. Why, why one or two should have to spoil it for the majority, I don't know. But as I say, I think for me, it's more of a societal issue that you do have those elements. You see it across the, the game now. There's, this disorder clearly feels like it's on the rise and we could get into that in this completely separate podcast. But but it does feel that both inside and outside stadia now, there are you know certain individuals who want to go and not just go and watch their team play, but maybe get involved in you know elements like this or episodes like this. So... Sad, but there you go. That's that's the world we live in.
Terry Alcock, Peter Mendham, Andy Johnson, Leon McKenzie, Ewan Roberts, Malky Mackay, Temi Puki, and now John Rowe, all members of the Derby Day Double Club. Um, and the, the irony is, Sam, I don't think he played that well, but derbies are about moments, and goodness me, does John Rowe know how to produce a moment, and, and two of them as well. Um, we, we've spoken earlier on about the importance of the equaliser, putting Norwich City ahead as well, and I guess it's uh, 11 goals for him before Christmas personally but but also for the team massive moments from from a player who's proving himself to be massive for for David Wagner's team yeah I think David Wagner actually said um, post-match that he thought in general play it wasn't his best game but uh, well Norwich basically had two or three clear chances in the game and they scored two of them so yeah that was was really pleasing to see he's obviously got a, a clinical edge I actually thought to have the wherewithal about him having just leaps in the air for an overhead kick <laughs> to then to then jump up and volley it into the corner um, when the ball popped back up to him was was actually a, a very good uh, finish and a a good bit of calm in a game that, you know, judging by his social media posts and the way that he celebrated after his two goals, it was a game he was definitely very pumped up for. So, um, yeah, I think it, it demonstrated that sort of knack that he has and Wagner alluded to the idea that he sort of he's one of those players that even though he's not a striker, he's got that sort of sense of where to be uh, when the ball's in and around the box, and he's profited from that a number of times this season. Even if you include the Sheffield Wednesday game in the week, I don't think that was his best game either. But he obviously scores a vital goal to to seal the three points in that one. And now we're looking at 180 of probably his his least eventful moments. Uh, minutes, sorry, this this season, and he's produced three goals in that time. So his clinical nature and the way that he's taken the chances that he has um, this season have, have probably contributed quite a lot to the team being where it is. Because you look at their defensive record; if they hadn't been able to keep up with it goal scoring wise, they would be in real significant trouble. But they have got a really good record at the other end and obviously with, with 11 of those goals he's contributed to that um, significantly I think I saw a stat a few weeks ago and this was even even before obviously his goal scoring exploits of this week he was well outperforming his, his XG and although over a really short um, sample period that might be a little bit of a worry and it suggests that maybe Norwich aren't creating the chances that they they should be and that it won't be sustainable when you get to this sort of sample of scoring 11 goals going nearly halfway through the season it does suggest that actually he's just a really clinical finisher and that's the part of his game that probably isn't going away when you looked at the early signs of him in a Norwich shirt and it was just a very raw speedy excited young winger I don't think many could have predicted the the outcome in terms of his his finishing and his cool head in the box, but that's a an element of his game that he obviously has either always had or has been able to add. And you know, from listening to the way that Wagner's been speaking all season, he still feels he's got levels to to go through. And you'd suggest that if he does find those levels, it probably won't be at Norwich, or it will be followed by a, a swift departure. So, yeah, I think he underlined how important of a player he was that you barely even saw what he was about. You didn't see any real jinking runs or combinations with Jack Stacey as have populated his season so far. But still, he's the man who's got his name on the, the score sheet twice and he's still made the difference for Norwich. So, 
he's very, very quickly made himself an absolutely vital part of this team. Um, and it, it probably shows you how much he's he's forced himself into that eleven. that Wagner going into this game, I'm sure, would have been tempted having seen his sort of comfort selection at times. I'm sure there was a thought going through his head at some point or another that maybe he just goes with Fastnacht and Hernandez and he trusts them and he goes with maybe the players he feels are tactically a little bit more mature and might offer him more defensively. But credit to Borja Science as well for his contribution in the week. Both of those two players have forced Wagner into that selection, really. He couldn't do anything else. Whereas you look at Sheffield Wednesday, that was a real big opportunity for Science and you feel a bit like... If he didn't take it, maybe we would have seen Ono Hernandez in that team. And although obviously Science didn't have his name in the same places that Roe will after after those goals, he won't be in the headlines and he wasn't on the score sheet, didn't get an assist or anything. I actually thought he was a driving force in more of Norwich's attacks than Roe was. There was definitely more attacks down that left side throughout the game um, than there was down the right. And it did feel like, actually at times, especially in the first half that if that that moment was to come it probably would be through science so I think although there were there were a few players who had um, very good games and you know, I don't know if we're going to come on to those but it was throughout the team there were quite a few um, good performances and, and individual steps forward but I thought the wingers in particular uh, really highlighted how much they can do for Norwich I think at times it also highlighted maybe the the lack of a plan um Going forward, it feels like Norwich, uh, even though it doesn't work all the time and there are individual errors, it feels to me like there is a lot of work going into the defensive side of things and the tactical preparations for that. But at times it feels a little bit like when they go forward, sort of give it to the wingers and let them try and create moments and and try and score individual goals. And there have been too many, well, I was going to say too many goals coming from individual brilliance and obviously the more of those you can have the better that is but maybe too high of a percentage of those Norwich goals have come from those moments so you'd like to see them maybe decrease that reliance a little bit but just in terms of the quality of player I think the way that, that Scythe and Rowe have, have applied themselves this week is is really encouraging and probably shows you where aside from Josh Sargent who obviously has been cast as this sort of hero ever since his injury that's where you could maybe see this improvement coming from if Norwich are to, to kick on and make the most of this recent momentum to to maybe try and push themselves back in the playoff picture. Uh, we had this sort of uh, weird situation post-game where we were speaking to John Murray whilst a lot of the Norwich fans were, were still in the away end. So uh, speaking to someone whilst nearly 2,000 people are, are serenading him is uh, not an experience that I've had before, but it uh, was, was quite enjoyable and I think he was enjoying it as well. I mean, the the list I've, I've, I've mentioned there, Adam, obviously Grant Holt got a hat-trick as well. I don't want to leave him out of it. That's that's quite significant. But of those players who have scored two goals in derbies, Temi Puki, Ewan Roberts, Malky Mackay, uh, Leon McKenzie famously as well. I mean, you, you do this and you... you you get remembered, as, as we've listed. I mean, John Rowe now, irrespective of where his career goes, where his Norwich City um, career goes as well, he's, he's created a, a real moment for himself that he's going to be remembered by for years and for decades to come through, through today and, and, and the goals that he scored. Yeah, I actually thought the, the club's video yesterday they, they put out before the game was, was pretty, pretty spot on. He sort of looked back at some of the memories and some of the players that have scored in the derbies and 
you know, you, you do remember it. I sort of, I actually, uh, I met a friend last night and we were just talking about players that, you know, we remember scoring in derbies, Cameron Jerome, Jacob Murphy, you know, players that you wouldn't necessarily think of straight away when you say, you know, say, oh, who's your favourite all-time Norwich City players? I'm not sure Jacob Murphy would necessarily fit on anyone's list, but that moment he provided, you know, you remember it. Uh, and John Rowe's going to be one of them. He didn't only just score, you know, one, he scored, he scored two. Um, and to yeah have Sanford said eleven goals at this stage of the season. I mean, he's only twenty as well. I think that's something that probably gets gets forgotten about. You know, he's he's still a young man. He's got a lot of development in his game to to go, and I think he's going to reach a lot higher heights than uh, than the championship. And I think when you look back, at, you know, someone like James Madison scored in this fixture. He got what 15, 16 goals in the championship and, and went for big money as a young Englishman. And I think John Rose probably the next cab off the rank to to sort of follow suit and. Who knows? Maybe one day reach the the heights of an England England squad, or you know, I think that he's probably banned for those kind of levels. So, yeah, for him personally as well to come through the academy here, he's had a difficult upbringing for by all accounts, and lots of things in his life maybe haven't gone the way he'd have liked. Um, to sort of now break into a team that he would have worked so hard, you know, through the academy to, to get this opportunity, and then to score two in the biggest fixture, you know, in any Norwich City's fans' mind, uh, particularly at their place as well, I think, you know, to do it in Ipswich's own backyard, to score twice, especially the the second one, I think, you know, being right in front of the away fans and the celebrations running over to to the 2,400 plot or whatever it was, uh, Norwich City fans, and just the celebrations. and You could hear it after the game as well, just all the, the chance towards him, the love towards him. Um, and he's just such a likeable figure. I think that's what makes it even better. You know, He's such a, a down-to-earth guy who just loves playing football. And you can see the confidence and the freedom in his game of just a man who's enjoying himself at the moment. And, and long may that continue because even if the season doesn't pan out the way that, that Norwich wants it to, trying to reach the objective of the club, you know, in making the playoffs, they've got a player there who has provided some moments this season, which I'm sure Norwich fans can cling on to in what's been a, a difficult season. And today was one of their moments, which, uh, you know, if we get to April, you know, May, April, May time and Norwich haven't achieved their goals, Norwich fans will still look back at this game with a lot of fond memories as a, another one in the long list of Norwich City games against Ipswich, which uh, they're unbeaten in. And, of course, if they get to the Carrow game, um, things might have even changed by then. You know, Ipswich might have fallen a bit away from, from where they are and Norwich might have had Sargent back and done some good business in January and they're you know, propelling themselves up the table. So that could be a completely different game. So this one felt like uh, the one that maybe might have been the one that Ipswich actually got the better of Norwich and John Rowe made sure that wasn't the case. He did indeed, and uh, all of those things you listed, as well as being a, a, an academy player as well. So uh, I kind of asked him about it. This is a derby that, he, that he's experienced at academy level, never at senior level. And um, yeah, I think he was still a bit, uh, I don't think it quite sunk in yet, what, what he'd done at that point and, and just how memorable that's that's going to be. So um, yeah, I hope it's sunk in for him now. It's uh, two really well-taken goals for, for different reasons. And actually, on a, on a wider point, that's kind of what's been pleasing about all of his goals this season. They've all been slightly different. He scored headers. He scored from outside the box. He scored from inside the box. Scrappy goals like like the first one today. He's um, he's shown a range of qualities inside the box, which is um, which is really good. Now, if you're watching, um, you will know that we're well, hopefully you'll know that we are uh, sponsored by Coleman's of Norwich. Um, now, I was in a supermarket the other day, and I was uh, surprised to learn it's not just mustard they do. Coleman's they've uh, they brought them broadened themselves out to other condiments. Mint sauce in particular was uh, was. Was one that I saw. Uh, Got some in the cupboard. <laughs> you, you a mint sauce fan? 
I am actually. To be fair, I forgot it was in the cupboard. Uh, I went the other day to to get some soup out of the cupboard for my lunch, and what, what there, uh, I think oh, what did I have the other day. I think I had chicken and veg the other day. Um, very nice. Wasn't Coleman's, but um, pulled it out. There was the mint sauce, which is you know a regular fee when it comes to to lamb in our household. So uh, I'm not sure it'll be used over Christmas. I don't think there's any lamb being cooked, but um, certainly come back to Easter, Coleman's will be on the on the table um, or any time before that. We have a roast on a Sunday with lamb. So yeah, um, not only good mustard, but certainly a good mint sauce. Yeah, so if you're, if you're not a fan of uh, mustard, other condiments of Coleman's are available. I don't know if they do a cranberry sauce at this time of year. That would be ideal. That's what you want, isn't it, with, a, with, uh, with your turkey? But it leads us nicely on to um, our uh, Bring the Heat section of the, uh, of the show, which I was slightly fearful we wouldn't be able to do, but we, uh, we can do it in, in the way that's unfolded. I'm, I'm going to go first, just to give you boys a little bit of time to think about it, as well as mint sauce. and, all the, and uh, well, Not quite. I think I, I'm throwing in a bit of a curveball. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to say uh, the referee, who was jo- Josh Smith. Yes, I, I'm, yeah, I'm saying he allowed the heat because I thought we had a good game today. You can you can see referees in in derby games sometimes um, be quite card happy, be quite whistle happy. But I thought he let a lot of it flow. Um, I think you'll have to get some sort of UEA scientists to look into how Ashley Barnes didn't get booked in, in that game for, for some of the tackles. But just thought he, he managed the game really well and it's they're always difficult occasions to manage. So uh, he maybe didn't bring the heat, but I think he allowed the heat to exist in the occasion. So that's who I'm going to go for. Mr. Sam Seaman? Uh, Boy, science. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, just for the, the celebration... Um, for the first goal, obviously he would have been involved in some some pretty intense games. I would think at Jurassic Sport uh, last season, just because of, I don't know if they've got a, a big derby, but we know how how partisan and how passionate those Turkish fans can be. So I'm sure he was used to quite an intimidating atmosphere, and he he probably could could shrug it off at Portman Road a little bit. But he also looked like somebody who has had a little bit of practice rubbing it in um, uh, against some. Some home support that maybe weren't ex- expecting or hoping for him to do so well. He was the first one after that equaliser went in to get to the corner flag to give it right to those Ipswich fans. And um, although I'm sure I would have been incensed if I was one of them, uh, looking at it from the Norwich side, he was definitely uh, bringing the heat, and it was it was nice to see a little bit of Norwich giving it back after Ipswich had had, had 40 minutes of things going their way mostly. So yeah, I go for something. And actually, before you boys give your answers, uh, Norwich fans in the way, and we were, and they were very pleased to receive these um, these uh, Coleman's festive scarfs, um, which was uh, which was nice. There was one of them quite symbolically laying on the on the roof at Portman Road, which I, I guess had been lost in the uh, in the celebrations. But um, yeah, that was good to see. Paddy, who bought the heat for you? That was exactly the answer I was going to give. Borja Science's celebration, but um, that corner actually at Portman Road. Uh, when Liam Gibbs came out and we know, know his family connection 21 today happy birthday um, that would be an interesting dynamic in the Gibbs house tonight with his with his old man who's a true blue by the cats and that's what that pocket of Ipswich fans when he came out to warm up down that area I can't remember his exact wording but it your was dad's not proud of you. your dad's not proud of you yeah which yeah. is a bit hurtful on, on a boy's 21st birthday but uh you know, hopefully he feels he's had the last laugh. I'm sure. Well, he was definitely in the celebrations when those goals were scored, and at the end as well. So, as we know, I think Adam might have referenced it last week. The the Car Road home games when he's warmed up, and the chant was, "If you hate Ipswich, clap your hands." And Liam Gibbs has joined in there. So, yeah, certainly going to be uh, 
very interesting birthday party in the Gibbs house tonight. You'd like to be around their Christmas table, wouldn't you, for, for Christmas dinner? What, with the mint sauce and the... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I thought that was, you know, I'm sure uh, I'm sure he took it in the spirit it was delivered, but that was quite a stinging response from fans who probably thought he was uh, the next big thing coming through the academy. So there you go, plates have shifted. Oh, your dad's not, that's not very nice, is it? That's not very nice. Adam? I want to go with the Norwich fans at the final whistle 14 years 14 years Norwich City um, just as you, it was a brilliant picture because you could just see all the Ipswich fans flooding out of the the stand uh, nearest to the away end uh, and the Norwich fans in, in full voice um, absolutely loving life that they've effectively spooled Ipswich's cup final day so uh, beautiful scenes at the end and I thought that was um, certainly bringing the heat and proving the point that you know we are the pride of Anglia um, and despite Ipswich's uprising Turn of form, um, and they can talk about history all they like. Norwich will, uh, based on the, the you know the record in the derby at the moment, we're we're still firmly the the pride of Anglia. There you go. Tell you how many times I've heard that song. By the way, I was obviously I went out to speak to the fans after. Literally, just every it was like there was a new way. How many years is it? Uh, <laughs> fourteen. It's fourteen now. Um, but literally, like every, I was, I was trying to speak to people. It was, it was the most difficult I've had it since I started doing it. But it was, yeah, like every ten seconds, it felt like there was a pocket of six or seven coming out of the turnstiles singing it. So, I just really wanted you to say. Yeah, well, everybody, everybody can go to the YouTube channel, well, of which they hopefully already are at watching this podcast. But um, yeah, and they will definitely be in no doubt. I, I was left in absolutely no doubt whatsoever by the end of that. So, yeah, I know that song very well by now. Yes, in, indeed. Um, Paddy, we, we kind of spoke about it earlier, but, but Angus Gunn, he deserves a mention, doesn't he, for, for that save at the end. For as much as we talk about John Rowe's goals, which are going to be the thing that, as, as we mentioned, he's, he's joined a pretty exclusive club full of some, some really big Norwich City names. But that was that was a well a, a point-saving save for Norwich City, wasn't it? It, it? it ensured that they left Portman Road with, with a point from Angus Gunn. And the, they will say the mark of a good keeper is in a game where, you know, maybe for nine... 90 minutes, you've not had a huge amount to do. Obviously, concentration, what have you, distribution, maybe you ball at your feet. But to pull a save out like that, where to go right back to what we were discussing, you know, for all McKenna's narrative, I don't, I don't think he was having to be necessarily, you know, producing saves left, right and centre. But that was at, at a critical moment. There's no coming back if that goes in. He's gone full stretch and he's a big lad, as we know. So he's, he's needed the entirety of his frame just to push that around and bizarrely I mean it looked like then even then there was two Lipswich players at the back post that were going to slot the rebound but I don't know obviously from where our vantage clearly the angle was, wasn't you know conducive but um, but that was a big moment and uh, and if anybody knows in that yellow and green camp what it means to to keep Ipswich at bay in terms of this East Anglian dynamic. It's that man and it's, it's the old man and it's that family. So um, great for him because it would have meant a lot for him today. You can guarantee it. And it was interesting. I thought final whistle, he was pretty much the first f- player bringing all the players with him over to the away end because he knows what it means. He's celebrated as a fan these type of games. Um, and he, he would, you know, there would be an extra special sense of achievement, I think, from him tonight that he's been part of a, you know, another Norwich team who've gone to Portman Road and come back unscathed relatively. Yeah, and I, I don't want to labour the point, but I, I guess two milestones. It was it was <laughs> his dad was the last Norwich manager to, to get beat by, by Ipswich, whether that's 
you know, any sort of consideration. But also, I think a lot of Ipswich fans would would point towards the moment that that Brian had and the air kick and uh, and on all of that stuff. So uh, you said he, he just gets it. He understands the the fixture and and, and the magnitude of it. And it was a, a fantastic save, um, Adam. In, in in terms of the the bigger picture. One defeat in in seven for Norwich City. I, I don't think any of us are sitting here pretending that it was some miraculous performance, but it was certainly full of all of the intangible qualities that you want, and maybe that that Derby days uh, are defined by often. Um, what what do you make of kind of the bigger picture in, in Norwich City's form at the moment? Because for as much flack as David Wagner was taking, he deserves some credit, doesn't he, for for how he's kind of navigated Norwich City into this improved run of form, irrespective of maybe how they've done it. Yeah, I mean, you, you sort of go back month or so you know ago and I think a lot of Norwich fans have made their mind upon him um, and to be fair at that point probably rightfully so uh, the football was pretty turgid and I'm not saying during this run it's been particularly pretty but they've managed to get the results they required to get themselves you know very far away now from the, the relegation battle at the bottom um, not that they really should have ever been in that, that situation in the first place and the only caveat is probably you look at the fixtures on paper and they played a lot of teams that are sort of in that lower region, lower bracket of, of the championship table as opposed to the teams at the top. But that's what's coming up now. Um, this is a really big festive period ahead for Norwich. Uh, they're actually still sort of in, a, in and around that playoff mix. Um, somehow they keep keeping themselves in in it despite that awful run they had sort of you know the September late September time right through till early November you know they've still managed to to keep themselves in that picture they've got players coming back from injury you know Josh Sargent we know how key he was in the the early stage of the season and what David Wagner was trying to do um, you know Wagner referenced it himself you know the likes of Ben Gibson Grant Hanley Sorensen so many options now that it's going to give him a little bit more probably you look at that bench today I felt, you know, a point. It was kind of a, a bench that didn't look that strong. Maybe um, not a lot of options. No real sort of strikers, particularly off the bench. If Norwich would have needed to have gone and got themselves a goal, they didn't really have anyone who, you know, is, an, is a natural number nine or, or even plays in the forward areas, particularly. Uh, you know, but then you're going to have Wang and, and Sergeant hopefully back in the picture pretty soon as well. So all those things in in play. Um, Credit to David Wagner, the players, uh, the coaching staff for uh, what they've managed to do in recent weeks, and you know, turning the form, getting the fans back on side, which I think you could see a little bit in the in the away end today. Of course, they you know they've managed to kind of go to Portland Road and and not lose, but irrespective of that, I feel like that's kind of that result almost just was built off what we saw at you know sort of the final scenes at the Sheffield Wednesday game, sort of the fans applauding them there, uh, the scenes we had at Bristol City, lots of really good moments. But for me now it's what happens in these next kind of five to ten games. They've got some really difficult trips, you know, the likes of trips to Hull, West Brom, Leeds, uh Millwall's always a difficult place to go, some really big home games against Southampton as well. I think if we see the similar sort of points haul, because uh, it could be difficult games, but if we can see a similar sort of level of points haul and, and better performances maybe then with a lot of the players back then, yeah, I think you know this is a, a turning point hopefully for David Wagner in his Norwich City managerial career. But if we see more of the same and it doesn't continue maybe the way that it has done in, in the last five or six games, then I could see it turning pretty quickly again, um, unfortunately. So really big for David Wagner moving forwards, but... Big, you know, big, big credit to him for for what he's managed to do, and of course, he's managed to keep the unbeaten run going as we've spoken about for the last hour. So, uh, for that alone, you know, he um, he's earned himself a bit of credit. Yeah, indeed. Um, one thing, uh, final point uh, I, I wanted to speak about on the game: Marcelino Nunez. Who knew he had a long throw in him? 
<laughs> You've come to the wrong man here. <laughs> I've probably had my head in, in the laptop at this point. For John Rowe's second goal, it was Marcelino Nunez's long was throw. It? Yes. Well, it says in my match report, Jack Stacey, so that's going to get changed from me. <laughs> we come out of here. Um, but that is... Uh, um, you're, you're experiencing my shock first time. You're experiencing that real time, yeah. That's a, that's a genuine reaction. Yeah, that is, I am genuinely surprised by that. I thought you were going to... I thought it was Sam McCallum in real time, so it's yeah, fine. Well, there you go. At first, I thought you were going to reference the time when he put the result absolutely in jeopardy with a little foif turn <laughs> on the edge of his own box yeah, yeah. Um, with no defenders behind him and no cover. I thought that was um, maybe the most Marcelino Nunez uh, moment I've seen for for a long while um, to be honest but yeah in all seriousness it, it looks like he's actually um, sort of getting back to to his best I'd like to see him a bit more involved in, in forward areas good to see that he's now contributing to that from long throw-ins but um, yeah I think he could be utilised a bit further forward but then that seems like what we're saying about literally every one of Norwich City's midfielders at the moment so somebody's got to play that deeper role and um, I think it's it's probably going to go under the radar a little bit but to actually navigate uh, a full 90 minutes against the league's are they are they the top scorers in the league at home yeah. well right. top scorers in the league at home um for 90 minutes with Gabriel Sara and Marcelino Nunez in your midfield conceding two which is less than I think the average they've scored at Portman Road is a, a pretty significant achievement because neither of those has ever been a defensive midfielder before moving to Norwich, not really before um, David Wagner's arrival either. And for them to step up and provide the energy required to, to press Ipswich into not just being able to flow straight through their midfield, I thought was a, a pretty significant achievement. And Nunez and Sarah both kept it ticking pretty well on the ball. I think uh, Sarah had a sort of quietly difficult period um, maybe a month or so ago but he seems to be back towards his best so there are definitely individuals that are getting there I think some have been getting away with it a little bit when we look at you know there's been a lot of heat obviously on Wagner and a lot of talk about the situation with with Josh Sargent and his injury and how fitness issues have, have derailed the squad but some players weren't really playing to their best levels and I think you could probably include Nunez and, and Sara in that in some of the clubs uh, or the team's worst performances um, recently but I think both of those are examples of players who are getting back towards it Jack Stacey I'd put in that bracket as well of getting a little bit closer to, to where they were when Norwich were at their best and it is good to see Nunez turning out those sorts of performances but because I think everybody knows the talent that he's got, he just needed to refine it a little bit and, and that seems like that's what he's doing. But um, next time I'll, I'll pay <laughs> a lot more attention to who's he's doing the throw-ins because I might get asked about it on a podcast. <laughs> Did you boys realise it was Nunez? Uh, to be fair, because the nature in Sam's defence, you know, we are right at the back of that stand. You couldn't, unless you tracked who's coming over with the ball, I basically just saw from Shane Duffy onwards. So... Didn't know, didn't really care. All I know is the ball ended up in the back of the net. Poor from the keeper, I thought. I mean, he might have been slightly inside, but he's gone through him. And don't underestimate that from that throwing of epic proportions from the Chilean international, Shane Duffy, because he's ragdolled the defender and just got what might seem a good an game, inadvert. Shane Duffy. Yeah, there was, well, there was a goal-saving block in the first half mm. in their best spell. And then it, when they started to go more direct and balls into the box, he's the sort of player. I mean, that's perfect for him as a centre-back, balls into the box, come and head it. 
yeah, no, I thought he was he was reliable today and yeah, had a very big impact in that Norwich goal. Marcelino, Rory Delap, Nunez. I think that's uh, that's what we'll we'll, we'll, we'll go with. Um, just to to end the pod on an entire, just to change direction entirely. I thought I'd raise the uh, the topic of Christmas dinners, okay. um, purely because and and I'm more interested in, in your guys and other people's takes on this. There's a very live conversation in the Southwell clan at the moment, not led by me. I hasten to add, I'm one of the dissenters against this plan okay. of uh, talk of having a Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve, but not on Christmas Day. Oh. Now I'm against I'm against this plan to to reiterate it's um it's being led what, by what madness is that? It's, uh, so this is so it's been it's been it's a campaign and I will call it a campaign an aggressive campaign uh being led by uh, my mother I'll name and shame her um and she she says basically her her argument for is that it causes too much stress on Christmas day she wants to be out of the kitchen she doesn't want to be cooking she wants to enjoy it um I dis- I disagree with this. I disagree with this statement. Can you then just bin off all the elements of Christmas, put the presents well, on the twenty second? That's what I said. That's what I said. Where does this end? You know, yeah, Where does this, where does yeah, this end? Christmas Eve, the night in, ge- in day in Germany. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah. It, is. it is. It is. Maybe that's a homage. But I'm Southwell, not like uh, I don't know Schnitzel or whatever. So uh, I, I, I just don't agree with the, the concept. I will say we've had to adapt the schedule a little bit. Boxing Day is now on. A lot of the things that happen on Boxing Day now happen on Christmas Eve since I got this job. What usually happens on Boxing Day? Well, just like, well, it's more sort of traditions like we used to open the presents from people that aren't there. So we'd open all the presents to each other and whatever on Christmas Day and then open the others on Boxing Day and do like a, you know, a similarly Christmassy dinner on Boxing Day as well. But now we're having like a big meal on Christmas Eve and opening the presents from others on Christmas Eve. So, but are you still having a Christmas dinner on yeah, Christmas yeah, yeah. Day? Yeah, yeah. Christmas Christmas Day remains exactly the same. It's just some of the events of the twenty fourth and twenty sixth have had to be shifted around so that I can, you know, do the hard work of reporting on the football for these people. So, yeah. yeah. Adam, Christmas dinners. Talk to me. Um, yeah. Well, I think for me, I think my nan sort of cut from the Delia Smith cloth of cooking. <laughs> to be honest, uh, honestly, it's it's excellent. Like. You know, you can go to any restaurant in Norwich, and I'm quite a big connoisseur of restaurants, to be honest. Uh, but I think she's up there. Like, generally, if she was taking bookings and I had to pay, I probably would. So, like, looking forward to that Christmas Day. Um, as for Christmas Eve, usually just like a, a more picky bit kind of buffet dinner, just nice and easy, relaxed before before the big day. Um, and of course, all the excitement of building up to what will hopefully be nice media food at West Brom on Boxing Day, which is uh, always good, usually there. So, that's something to look forward to. To be fair, actually, I haven't actually had many Christmas dinners as such. Usually, it feels like every single day in December, like you're going for some sort of like Christmas meal. I actually don't think I've actually had turkey yet in December, so that's nice. Uh, which maybe makes me more excited for Christmas dinner because usually I'm getting a little bit sick of them. As much as I love them, I'm usually get to the point of Christmas. I'm just like, please, just no more turkey or, or no more roast dinners for a bit. So uh, actually, yeah, looking forward to it. And of course, it's closing in now, but at least we can go into Christmas now knowing that Norwich are still unbeaten. Can I just say, Mr Harvey there has said he hasn't had turkey yet. I watched him eat a, a sandwich with turkey in it true, earlier. True. So. <laughs> I meant more than <laughs> He's lies. The whole podcast is sham. <laughs> I, meant, I meant more as in on a plate with vegetables. That's, well, that fair, was my, fair, my fair, point. But fair. yes, I do take your point. Apparently Yorkshire puddings on a Christmas dinner is quite a controversial topic. Yeah, we can. Yorkshire we can. should be in there, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Paddy, Christmas dinner? 
before you go home. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, before you go home, your thoughts on Christmas dinner? <laughs> what, on, cr- on Christmas Day? Well, obviously. I mean, it goes without saying. I mean, it's just madness to come up with any other concepts. We've wasted five. I could be at home now, <laughs> having a Saturday night dinner. What have you got? God knows. Probably, it's probably in the dog now. <laughs> Indeed, right, let's uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Two two draw for Norwich City at Portman Road and for those looking for a winter break, I heard you can't beat the canaries at this time of year. Thanks for watching. <laughs>